welcome to the first Business After Hours podcast. My name is Liam O'Leary. I am the host. And the first guest that I decided to get on uh, was none other than Charlotte Hay. She is a businesswoman who is on fire at the minute. She recently took over uh, Healy Manor Hotel with her partner, Stephen Bennett. And in this podcast, we talk about all the ups and downs of her previous career in business um, and, and also the previous uh, past of Healy Manor, which is quite up and down. There's some interesting things, including ghost stories and drug deals. So there's a lot of, a lot of uh, interesting things that we talk about. We talk about staff issues. Uh, we went on to talk about customer service, branding, marketing, and all the important things about how to make a business run smoothly. So I really enjoyed this, and I hope you will too. Enjoy. Charlotte, thanks for being on the podcast. So you um, you had a good day today? Yeah. Pretty good, busy? Pretty pretty busy. Pretty about. Dramatic, dramatic day. Oh, why yeah. Why so? We're going to kick in with um, a whole staffing restructure. So nothing oh, uh, too small. That'll be good. We can talk about that in a sec. But first of all, um, so you took over Healy Manor Hotel in the last 12 months. How the hell did that happen? Good question. <laughs> How did it happen? Um, so we officially took over on the 14th of March last year. So we're still not even a year old. Um, prior to that, um, Steve, my partner, and I were consulting for the hotel for around, I think, six months um, before. Um, an opportunity that came up um, that we could not turn down. So Prior to that, um, Steve had been running another local hotel, which we we won't name. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, he'd been running that, and his partnership came to a bit of an end. Um, and we'd both decided to take a break from the hotel and hospitality world, um, and kind of try and work a little bit of a normal life. So five days a week instead of seven. Yeah, um, yeah that's uh, <laughs> always the goal. You'll know that one, Liam. Yeah. Um, and. Um, we actually met the previous owner um, to kind of chat about consulting um, for him as part of our kind of other business. Um, and it all started from there, really. He wanted to get out of the hotel industry and focus on his family. Um, and Steve and I decided that we wanted to get back into it. Yeah. So here we are, um, uh, less than a year later, and uh, the business is going all right. Because before that... Um before you were involved in hotels, you were you were, well you weren't doing that. No, you were doing fashion and styling and bit of everything. Yep. Um, as some people might call it, the fluffy stuff in life. Yep. Um, creative stuff. Creative stuff. Yes, creative yep. stuff. Um, so I actually started off um, down in London. Moved down for university. Went to London College of Fashion and studied fashion design and marketing. Quit uni after two years. Um, controversial subject <laughs> with my parents. They weren't too impressed. They weren't happy? No. It's kind of... We all kind of go down that road that we're told to at school. You know, you go and do your A-levels. You then go to university. You then get a great job. And did you... You did uni for two years. So did you did you go willing to do it? Or was it, I'm going because of my parents? Um, oh no, it was definitely a willing thing for myself. Um, moving down to London was the most exciting thing as a 20 year old. Um, you know, it was kind of stepping away from Grimsby, um, 
you know moving away from home big lights and the bright city um you know meet lots of cool people yeah have a good time party every night yeah do you know what funnily enough i've i've always had a very strong work ethic um and i think it's come well it has it's come from my parents um you know they've worked hard um my dad definitely came from nothing and you know he'd worked hard his whole career and um has this great work mentality um you know so i moved i moved down there to go to university and work my butt off um it was just that it wasn't challenging enough Mm. um and i just was not kind of being you know um mentally stimulated by anything um and i'd actually been chatting with a friend and talking about university and kind of falling out of love with it and falling out of love with my course and he'd actually said why don't you go and work with my sister she's a fashion stylist conversation was why have we not had this conversation before we've been friends for two years for two years um you know i'm studying fashion so why do i not know your sister's a fashion stylist um so went and met um with angie his sister and um kind of fell into the world of celebrity and fashion styling so I'd worked with worked with the likes of Danny Minogue, um, Nigella Lawson. Name drop. Name drop. We've got a name drop. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I got a lot to shout about. I was 21 at the time. Um, you know, I'd worked on a lot of big um, press launches um, for different movies and different TV shows. And it was all really exciting. Um, flip forward a few years. Um, my dad had actually fallen poorly. Um, and he was really ill. Um, and I'd had a bit of a wake up call thinking don't want to be stressing out over a pair of shoes that cost more than my month's rent anymore um so decided to venture back up to Grimsby at which point um kind of a couple a couple of years being back home um I'd fallen into say fallen into I have worked hard for it um but I'd fallen into the food sector and kind of found a real unique opportunity in Grimsby and Lincolnshire um in the business world of food um for styling and branding and marketing so it was kind of all of these things that I'd done in London and at university um I'd found quite a niche for it back up here in Grimsby so decided to set up my company which was the creative larder um and at which point I met Steve um who is still my partner to this day so you you met Steve because he was a client essentially you went in to do some styling work for the business ah that so that came a little bit after I was actually um writing for a magazine at the time one of the local ones and I was doing a food review of Ah, his restaurant okay yeah and then and then we met and um it kind of really inspired me in terms of the the food sector that is up here in Grimsby um and kind of falling on from that I then started working with him um on the Comfy Duck in the Oaklands mm. which was his hotel at the time yeah. um so that's where my kind of career in the hospitality world started and this was I think probably about five years ago um so up until that point I'd worked in bars and restaurants when I was younger but nothing to the extent now yeah different level um so i've kind of come from this like hugely creative marketing driven background um to now run in a 37 bedroom hotel two function rooms a pub and soon to be a restaurant 
and a private dining room as well um so quite a dramatic change in 10 years <laughs> yeah yeah that's a big change yeah. so you you took over as ceo um formally what, the last couple of months six months yeah yeah so back in march um that's when it became um steve and myself's business um complete owners of the business um we say 50 50 <laughs> but um I think he's he's the overriding boss. Yeah. Um, he's got twenty five years experience in the hospitality world, so there's no competing with that, really. He knows his stuff. He does know his stuff. He's cooked a few dishes that I, uh, tried I definitely food. approve of. Yeah, yeah, I mean, great cook. I mean, some of the recipes and stuff I've seen him yeah. do it live. Um, yeah, it's impressive. We cooked for your wedding. We hosted oh, yeah, your wedding. Course, I can't yeah. forget that yeah, one. I nearly forgot. So, since you took over, what what was the biggest changes that you had to make to the business because obviously someone else's business originally they they run it for a couple years you obviously come in and it's yours you can do whatever you want with it so what was kind of the first couple things you did i think um for us and this is being kind of completely honest and transparent with everything um we'd taken over the business with quite a bad reputation locally um healing manor has a very jaded history i don't know do you know it's full history a little bit a little bit yeah um so um kind of dating back to the to 1845 um it was home to the curable horse which was walked from grimsby to aintree won the steeplechase at the grand national and then was um brought back to grimsby um i think it trained at the manor i'm not sure it was actually stabled there um so kind of a rich history in that in that respect um it was then owned by the portman family who own a large estate of london so you've got portman square um and then there's quite a lot of other land and buildings that they own um healing manor hotel was actually their holiday home it was one of two because obviously one holiday home yeah, is not, not enough. enough, not enough. Yeah, I've got two. Um, and then it remained a private residence for quite a while. And then I think it was in um, two, 2000, um, a local businessman took over it. And um, unfortunately that didn't work. Um, there was quite a big article in the paper. Um, oh, th- this was the guy that grew drugs in the- That's the yeah. one, yes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's no hiding from it, you know, that was, it's a small town. So that, they actually grew drugs in the hotel? In the hotel, yes. My understanding is one... And it wasn't a hotel at the same time, was it? No, so it was, oh, I think it was kind of like a bistro bar and then restaurant, so where... So where the hell did they grow the drugs? Apparently in the bedrooms and the roof. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. no one, how did they get found out? Um... My understanding is it had snowed one famous winter and uh, half the <laughs> roof wasn't covered. So I think some neighbours... Healing is a very... Um, it's a very small village. Everybody talks. Everybody knows each other. Um, and I think someone had kind of spotted it and phoned the police. Um, and it, it actually turned out there was some immigrants living in the hotel. Well, it was a house at the time. Um, in the house as well um and quite a lot of the original features were taken out and destroyed so it was kind of left in in quite a bad way wow and then uh the 
The owner that's still the owner now of the building. Yeah, so Mark, um, who still owns the building now, um, he took over, I think, six years ago. So it's been very much like a love affair for him. Yeah. Um, He's done an amazing job. I mean, the the quality of the build. Yeah. We obviously got married at Healy Manor in the in the barn. Yes. Yeah, like looks amazing. Yeah. Um, looks period. Even though that's that's fairly new, isn't it? Like, that yeah. barn extension. Yeah. So the barn was converted um, four years ago. Um, he'd converted the bedrooms in the house, which there's only 13 in the main house, um, kind of, I think, five years ago. And then he's developed all the bedrooms around the courtyard area um, and the pig and whistle, I think, three or four years ago. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a beautiful yeah. place. Grounds yeah. are amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's got our own little island, which is, yeah, you yeah. don't get that at many hotels. Yeah, you just need to get a boat for the summer. That would yeah, be quite cool. Yeah, that would be yeah. health and safety nightmare. So well, I'll yeah. let you get on with yeah. that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, but... So when you took over, obviously the building's in good quality. No yeah. drugs there, which no is drugs. a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> for some people, maybe. Yeah. Um, but So what did you do? What was like the first kind of month, two months that you just were like, right, I'm going to focus on X, Y, and Z? So for me personally... Um, it was kind of it was actually very much the marketing side of things um so steve was taking care of the operations and the kitchen side um and for myself it was really looking at what um what the story was that we were selling what the product was that we're selling um i say was but is um and kind of like really establishing healing manor as a brand and within that brand other brands as well so we have the pig and whistle so we kind of really wanted to make that um something in its own rights we'll be doing the same with the restaurant when we when we relaunch that later this year um and kind of uh, stripping it back and going back to basics so we inherited the social media channels um which is the instagram the twitter and the facebook page so kind of going into that it was really about breaking down who healing manners core target market is um for a lot of businesses you can you can narrow that down to one type of target customer but for us it's you know the corporate side the wedding side and then the lifestyle sector so kind of having a core understanding of who who the target market is what we want to do with the business where we want to take it and then how do we reach those customers and get the message out there that actually you come to healing manor and you can have a great meal you can have great service you know we've got beautiful bedrooms you know we do have one of the most beautiful hotels in lincolnshire but it wasn't a story that had been shouted about until a few months ago i noticed on your social media Yes. Um, you got a really big following, and the image imagery on there is amazing. You you put a massive focus on that in terms of Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, how long did it take you to get the followers that you've got? Because you got you know six seven thousand on Instagram, Facebook. How how did you do that? What was, what was it when you first took over? The, the social media accounts was the yeah. um. The, so when we first took over. Um, the social media accounts were pretty much full of pictures of ghosts in the windows. Um, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's um, kind of a bit of a spooky history. Um, so some, the place is haunted? I don't believe it is. Oh, right. But um, someone says. Someone says yeah. that it is. Someone says they saw a ghost and now forever it's going to be the place to go uh, ghost uh, hunting and. 
completely and it was kind of i think at the time um the people that were running you know the social channels and everything saw it as quite a unique market um but being quite consumer driven people don't buy into ghosts it doesn't sell a wedding not for dining maybe or food no um so we completely stripped back the social media i think there was about 500 followers on instagram at this point so when you say strip back you mean delete everything okay wow yeah so just wipe it clean um just gonna throw it in quite a good book that i've read um it's called the art of thinking clearly um it's full of all of these different fallacies and theories and one one of them talks about um so you've spent three thousand pounds on a website we'll use this as it's quite relevant to yourself yeah. no you you know you spent a lot of money on a website yep. but that website is not performing well for your business but you spent all this money on it so you you need it to work you've got to make it work yeah instead of just saying okay let's write off that three thousand pounds let's start again let's really understand the core of the business the message of the business who our target market is and what our product is start over again and have a strategy behind it and it's it's getting rid of of that kind of mindset of holding on to something just because you've spent money or time on it it doesn't mean it's working for the business yeah i see that a lot um and it's hard not to do it yourself Mm. i i do struggle with it sometimes you kind of think well i've invested a lot of time yeah this podcast for example could invest a lot of time could go absolutely nowhere but you you know you could just carry on doing it thinking it's going to pay off one day and if it really isn't you hard to say to yourself let it go i think it's easy to do it from an external view yes you would say to someone look i can see that this isn't going anywhere yeah maybe it's taking that mindset of actually looking from the outside in Mm. and i know it's a conversation we have um as friends and business owners that you have to take a step away from your business and remove all the person you know the personal aspects of it and actually look at it from a strategic point of view yeah and and it is hard i i find the only real way i can do it is to literally get out of the business yeah and just go away and and usually if i'm away you know you're on holiday for example can we make make a joke about your four-week holidays (laughs) business aspiration right there (laughs) that was three weeks not four but um yeah i get do get a lot of ribbing for that but um i i I put the business in the position where i knew it would be fine. Yeah. I'd never have done it if I wasn't completely happy with how things were being yeah. run. But I got to that point with lots of little mini breaks where you kind of sit by a pool, you're not getting distracted by email and all the other things, and you can kind of have a bit of time to yourself and say, you know what, I don't think that thing that we do actually works as well as we yeah. thought it did, or maybe the way we've uh, invested in... Uh, well, reports was a good one. So we do market reports for clients. Um they we just they weren't getting read but we were like yeah. well this is how we've done it we've sold it to clients this way and then we're like screw it like yeah it's holding on it's holding on to all of those yeah. that kind of that mindset and those things that we've invested so much time and money into and i think taking this mentality um and applying it to social like social media um is quite refreshing um and it's actually it's almost like taking a weight off your shoulders because you're carrying all of this stuff and this you know these images that's not working for you, for your business um and just kind of wiping the slate clean so yeah it's quite dramatic and bold and 
when you're deleting all of the posts, you're thinking, oh God, what, yeah. what am I doing? <laughs> um, I'm deleting all of this falsified gratification and likes and, you know, all of that jazz that makes, makes us uh, feel happy momentarily yeah, with social media dump uh, it dump it so yeah so we got rid of all of the the content so to speak um and we did the same with the website the images um and we just we started again and we built it up from essentially a blank canvas mm. um and i mean we can jump on to obviously the, the following i know that's what you want to speak about but building up a brand it's not there's not necessarily an end goal in place i think social media now is it's evolving it's constantly changing you know you can't preempt what's going to happen with it because nobody knows so it's about understanding in the moment like what's relevant for your business on which platform so facebook we treat very differently to instagram instagram we treat very differently to twitter so it's kind of breaking down all of those platforms that we use um and building it back up again so regularly posting content is something so how, that works so how regular do you post at least once a day on instagram um we and that's use... to the instagram page not the stories yeah so that's to the page so um for the actual pages so we have um the heathen manor page we have the pig and whistle page we have the Lincolnshire Chef page and then I have my personal page. Um, so I try and post at least once a day. On um, each one? On each one. Wow. Yeah. So um, I use um, Hootsuite. I don't know if, if yep. it's something you guys use um, to schedule everything in. Up until a couple of years ago, it would only let you schedule twi- uh, Twitter. And then it eventually introduced Instagram to its platform, which was a godsend because it's hard when you wake up in the morning, your priority isn't well, I was going to ask, post an Instagram. If you've got to post to all those different ones and yeah. you'll come in every day, how did you do it before Hootsuite? Did you just set an alarm and say, right, I've got to post now before I forget? Because I, yeah. I would definitely forget. Yeah. If I didn't have a reminder, <laughs> yeah. I would go a week and be like, oh, I haven't added anything. Now I've got to catch up. Yeah. Pretty so, much. So how do you do it with who's <clears throat> Are you going in and saying, doing them in a batch or so, how do you work it? So I try and work monthly, um, but with an open mindset that things can change in 30 days. Um, so I use Excel, old school, yep. um, kind of set out a bit of a social media plan um, and that covers all platforms. I actually keep my, my Instagram away from that and Steve's away from it as well because I try to kind of keep that a bit more organic and relevant to what's going on in the day. Um, but with the manor and the pig and whistle, we've got very clear um, kind of messages and stories that we want to put out there and, and strategic sales goals as well. Um, so we break down what's going on for the month, what's going on for the month following, so whether we've got any events that we want to promote, um, kind of our core areas that we want to promote so obviously f- the food side of things the wedding side of things um bedrooms um and kind of put it into a bit of a scheduled plan so we're not repeating the same message every single day but there's some consistency there with what we're posting yeah um and then so we use this um for facebook as well as twitter as well as instagram so i've got my nine columns um for daily posting Twitter, I try to post two to three times a day. Um, Twitter, you can kind of repeat the same message a few times because it's a short-lived content. You know, it lasts for 12 seconds on someone's wall and then it's kind of 
jump down out of screen out of sight sort of thing um whereas instagram the content is there to last a little bit longer i think because it's so visual um although we sit and scroll through the screens and stories will jump onto a minute but you know we sit and scroll through the screens and then it's gone a lot of people will go onto individual pages and interact with the posts and you're i don't know about you but we regularly see people um commenting and liking posts from months ago um you know so it's not necessarily what's on the day um but we just find that posting every day it keeps the content fresh it keeps people interacting with it and god knows what's going on with instagram's algorithms like let's talk about that you know the the reach isn't what it was it's not as organic so you're kind of having to work a lot harder behind the scenes to make sure that your content's still seen and it's seen by the right people so do do you pay no so all organic instagram all organic at the moment that's not to say that we won't change that facebook we do um dedicate some of our budget to um just because it is facebook's made it a lot harder now um for you to reach your potential customers and actually to to reach people that have liked your page if you if you guys notice that with clients it's ridiculous like you have all of these likes on your page or followers whatever you want to call 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 it um but the the reach is so low yeah i know well i've heard of all the changes they're making and yeah i can't keep up no um (laughs) it's not i'll be honest it's not something i really get involved in social media really um i tend to just go on instagram and linkedin and do a little bit here and there but not for the company my team are way better at that, so I just let them get on with it. But yeah, I couldn't begin to to try and fathom the algorithms. And the thing is, they, they're so... The problem that I have with social media is you are relying on companies that their interests are not the same as yours. Yeah. And so they could change it overnight. You know, yeah. Facebook could change something drastic where a website or a business that relies on them as a, as a sales tool could literally yeah. just stop. <clears throat> Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I would be, if I was in a business relying on a lot of social media, I'd be constantly just panicking the next day. Something's going to happen in the news or no. the whole thing with um, the data scandal with Facebook. Yeah. And you just think, God, I mean, how far away are they from changing everything or getting sued into oblivion? You just, yeah. I think you're brave for, <laughs> for using as much you social know what? media. I've never, but... I've never said that I've been uh, scared. So uh feel like maybe tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and get out. No, do you know what it is? And this is something that people do forget with social media. Social media is about being social. Yes. It's not just about posting. So yeah. as much as we schedule, we schedule everything. And again, I keep on using the word strategically, but it is, it's strategic. You know, if we've got something that we need to sell or promote, that's what the posts are, you know, are based around. Um, but it's building, it's building a brand. It's building a lifestyle. And, you know, that's what we're really trying to do with healing healing manner and the pig and whistle um I, I kind of jump back onto my account um and steve's account which is the lincolnshire chef account it's kind of they're both brands that are built on personalities and it's that balance between being accessible but aspirational um and kind of putting out something that people want but it's still you know it's still in reach um i mean we all live this um the best word for it perfect perfect instagram world life. oh the insta life where the insta life is like nothing it. like your real world no, yeah, yeah no, i see that a lot no but for us it's about it is about it being 
um, real. And this is where Instagram stories come in and work very well for businesses. Yeah, I, I probably see your Instagram stories every day. Um, <laughs> mainly because yeah. you post daily, yeah. but they're actually really good. So Thanks. And they're not, they're not overly advertising no. or, no. you know, the selling stuff, but they're, they're just kind of, you look at it and go, yeah, it's, I, it's almost like that, um, it's that presentness in your mind. Yeah. So whenever me and, me and my wife, Kirsty, are thinking, right, we might go somewhere for some food. It's like, well, Healing Man is top of the list because we always see the, yeah. re- the kind of repetitive branding, the imagery, the video, Instagram stories. Yeah. <laughs> Everything, basically. Yeah. yeah. So I it's think... that purpose, on purpose. Yeah, it yeah. is. And it's that it's that mindset of kind of a little bit more of the old school marketing um going back to the days of which is still very relevant um like mailers emailers you know they say that you have to post something or you know kind of advertise something at least six times before somebody actually takes full notice of it and reacts to it and it's the same mentality with social media and I think a lot of businesses are afraid of repeating the same message because there's almost that overthought of oh god someone's going to be really bored of what I'm posting um if people are bored that's fine there's always something else for them to look at because again it's so momentary um you know what we're posting um but it's not being afraid, like you say, not worrying about the what ifs because with social media, we just don't know. You know, we don't know. It's almost like a drug, isn't it? You know, you can know the long-term effects of cocaine or having to take antibiotics constantly. You know, whereas social media, we don't know the long-term effects of it and the psychological damage that it's having on not only teenagers, but adults as well because people are becoming so consumed by everything that we see and I think as a business it's having a responsibility and taking responsibility to make sure that what we are putting out there isn't isn't going to damage anyone it's not going to damage something you know all of our products are an accessible price point you know we're not out there to rip anyone off if someone's getting married they're looking for a wedding venue you know use social media to put yourself out there if someone's looking for somewhere to go out for dinner we're posting pictures of steaks, we're posting pictures of salads, you know, we're posting jokey, which I know you'll have seen, jokey, realistic, behind the scenes images, you know, and it goes back to this accessible and aspirational, that there's a raw reality behind the facade and the perfect pictures that we see on the main page. Yeah, it is a good mixture yeah. that you have. Um, some of the stuff behind the scenes of the staff is great. Definitely... Not for under 16s, because there is occasionally some swearing yeah. from Steve. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Grumpy Steve is Grumpy is Steve. a character <clears throat> I think we should have on a, a daily basis. Um, he is hilarious, but it does show that real side. Yeah. Where you kind of can almost... Well, I know Steve. Yeah. I met him. But if, I did, if I'd never met him and I was just interacting with you on social media, I would feel like I've met him and then I've got that connection yeah which I think is good and businesses can use that um there are quite a few good local brands I think do it really well Danielle Draper um they I think um Danielle herself a sister and a mother are really yeah. good they post things and it's always <clears throat> kind of it's, it always seems quite on brand yeah um they've created a lifestyle around yeah. a product and actually when you're buying a piece of Danielle Draper jewelry you're not just buying a piece of jewellery, you're buying a part of their lifestyle. And and that's what social media is about now. It's a lifestyle. It's not just a product. 
yeah there's there's a lot doing it really really well um so uh, social media aside what other marketing things are you doing for the manor to promote sales i mean yeah. essentially you want people through the door buying food booking weddings using the venue so what social media is key but there's got to be other things you're doing yeah definitely so um kind of flipping back onto my styling days um something that i was very very lucky um to be on the receiving end of was gifting so press gifting um so that's sending basically presents okay bright no it's not bribery um no it's not it's it's about um it's kind of rather than sending out a leaflet or a flyer or a postcard whatever you want to call it um it's just it's about being more creative so um it's kind of taking this mindset of you're more likely to remember if I was to deliver you cakes to the office you know that becomes a talking point within the office whereas a piece of paper might sit on the side it might get coffee stains on it and it's probably going to go in the bin and you're probably not going to read it you know along with the rest of the junk mail um that we receive through the post so for us you know food is a huge huge part of our business and our brand um and it's kind of our biggest selling point so whether you are a corporate guest that's looking to stay in a bedroom or whether you're a wedding food still comes into that aspect of um kind of the experience that you're having with us so for us kind of gifting we say gifting but um kind of some press promotional experiences um something we were looking at doing for valentine's day was actually sending out like love heart helium balloons and then um some kind of like pavlovas or some scones some cakes um whatever the pastry chef has got time to make um to some kind of like key target businesses so again it's something that's a little bit more memorable and interactive does that work well it does yeah because it kind of it gives you um a step in so we're in a very We'll talk about this. So the renewable sector in Grimsby, yep. um, it's a huge, huge thing for the area in terms of the economic growth and um, people moving to the area, putting Grimsby and Lincolnshire on the map nationally. Um, you know, so in the hospitality world, it's quickly becoming quite a competitive market. So people are driving down prices, undercutting each other, all of that. Whereas actually for us, we're saying, do you know what? we can serve great food we've got great bedrooms we've got great service come and see us you know we're not your typical 10 floor hotel we're a spread site that's spread across across some beautiful grounds um and it's much more a home away from home so it's about how do we get into that market how do we become known as a product to you know to that market um and it's one thing ringing up and doing the hard sell or, you know, like I say, sending out flyers and emails, but you very quickly become lost amongst your competitors. So how, so when you send someone food, yes, are you hand delivering it or is it mail? No, hand, hand delivered. Um, so we'll have a member of our team, um, go to a business um so they just rock up, rock up with yeah. some food yeah like for enough hey. of the team <laughs> yeah. there i guess yeah. and then just say here you go enjoy we'll put like a note free. in it or something yeah so we'll put a note in it um kind of make it really personal yeah. um i mean we do it with companies that we know as well it's not you know it's not just about the hard sell it's a subconscious sell um but it's about it's a, it's an in to be able to build up relationships with people the end of the day whether you're dealing with a high-end CEO 
you know, or a director of a business that's turning over billions of pounds, you know, someone that's responsible for all of these, um, you know, the wind farms that are being implemented in the area, they're still people. And people forget that because they hide behind suits, they hide behind titles, you know, and all of that. So it's it's someone, there's someone at the end of... And everybody eats. And everybody eats, exactly. I do mean... You, do you find it hard at the minute though where you walk in and someone might be like, oh, I'm, I'm gluten-free or I'm vegan <laughs> and you're like... Damn I've, Damn, I've missed it. Yeah. Like, I should have done something else. I think at the moment, people are just pretty grateful that you've thought to send them something. Um, we do crater for gluten-free and vegans and everything else. So um, that's not necessarily an issue because, you know, we'll kind of create a package that's quite diverse. Um, but that's just one example. You know, something else we're doing for Valentine's Day. Um, got some little love heart sweets going into the rooms with some handwritten notes. Again, it's adding those personal touches you know so we're not just a branded hotel you know and that's and that's something that we're not at the moment anyway because we're still a new business and it's something we're working with you guys on really closely is the rebrand and like re-signage and all of our point of sale but actually yes all of that does matter to someone that's driving past or someone that's coming in but underneath all of that it's not that that people are buying that's an entry for you know that's an entry and it's a recognizable um logo and type font and everything else but people people are buying people people are buying an experience so once they buy in yeah they become a customer what what are you doing afterwards so it's about again it's building relationships so we encourage our team of 57 (laughs) um to really kind of build up relationships with the customer so whether it's someone that is working front of house um whether it's someone that's you know beth that's running the weddings um or whether it's one of our ladies that works on reception it's about having those conversations with customers um and then the retent the retention side of things data data is king um you know asking people to um give us their email addresses, join our mailing list, obviously on the promise that we're not going to be spamming their email boxes. Um, but it's customers that actually have a genuine interest in in the products that we're offering. You know, so we're not just chasing um, people for the sake of chasing people and flipping back onto social media just because you've got 16,000 followers it doesn't mean you've got 16,000 customers. And I think that's something that businesses do get a little bit hooked on yeah that kind of vanity number and they yeah. yeah doesn't necessarily mean they're all going to buy from you no it's falsified gratification mm. like you you know yeah okay it makes you feel good because you've got all these people following you but it doesn't mean that they're spending money in your business so it's how how do we convert that and then how do we retain it so like i say for us like a mailing list is about it's a mailing list of customers so th- this is an email list you're talking yes about. yeah so yeah. you do you send it regularly? Do you? How do you do that? What's the kind of process? So we use Mailchimp, um, very easy platform to use. Yep. Um, we try and send something at least once a month, so it's nowhere near as regular as our social media daily postings. Um, we try and do it once a month, and we'll kind of summarise what's going on, or we'll create a specific segment, be it the wedding market. So we might. Um, send out an email with um link backs to our wedding blog um that we have on the website or um a link to a wedding fair that's coming up again if it's um people that have dined in the pig and whistle it's often food related and we'll throw the odd recipe in there as well so it's something that's kind of is again it's not a hard sell it's not coming by our product it's it's a lifestyle it's a brand 
you know it's not just so you're not doing like 10% off this weekend type promos no we okay so we do sometimes do offers um well actually we do offers all the time um they just they do change um dependent on what's going on at the hotel so at the moment we have a stay the night for a pound offer so you spend 99 pounds in the pub um which is quite easy if you're having you know a nice meal and then some wine some gins etc or rums no you like rums liam do you like my rum yeah i've got a good selection of rums going on um and then they can stay the night for a pound so this is very much about tapping into our local market um why would they want to come and stay in a hotel when they can get a taxi home whereas actually a hundred pounds per couple is a reasonable you know a reasonable night out so it just means during the weekend when we're not in wedding season it helps kind of it helps you know um entice customers in entice new customers in um that perhaps haven't dined with us before it's a nice treat for customers that use us regularly um and it's cheaper than a taxi home yeah i was just thinking that yeah (laughs) if you're given the choice stay in a nice hotel for a quid yeah or pay i don't know 20 30 quid to get a taxi to go back home i'd i'd be very very um surprised if a lot of people are like no i'll got a lot for the taxi yeah so it's um because i've seen the rooms and stayed in them but they are beautiful and yeah, really comfortable gorgeous. um yeah kind of, i want to go stay there you should come again stay there. Um, again stay the night for literally pound. live around the corner but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it'd be nice to come and stay um so what do you find of all the marketing tactics that you do what's the most effective for the manor for us definitely so social media yeah. through and through um and building up the brands with personalities um so it's something we actually spoke about before we started this podcast but um call myself a strategic schizophrenic um and the idea behind that is the personalities between each brand so we can go from posting something as Stephen Bennett the Lincolnshire chef um you know on on his profile um something that's a bit more lifestyle and brand-led on my profile and then we're talking about weddings on Healing Manor's profile. Um, so it's kind of like jumping between the brands. But people, customers seem to react really well to that because it's kind of, it. there's a diversification across them all. It's not just one flat product that you're trying to sell. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah. I've definitely seen more businesses do that where they've got the sub-brands rather than just trying to put everything under one yes. umbrella. Um, and you, you find that works well for the business as a whole yeah because i think you can put across a much stronger direct message so rather than diluting um healing manners platform with with food because we get a lot of wedding um kind of feedback and inquiries through the healing manner instagram specifically um so rather rather than diluting that with the pick and whistle food you know we give the pick and whistle its own platform um again with the corporate market that's more Twitter-led. So our tweets are more driven around um, bedrooms, function rooms, um, meeting spaces, lunchtime offerings, um, food offerings. Um, And then with Facebook, it's kind of a mixture of everything, but it just means that there's a more direct message um, having the different platforms. And again, with with the Lincolnshire Chef um, 
side of things twitter and instagram um it's more personality led so you can have a bit more fun with it you know with my instagram it's it's about brand association um so it's not just stopping stopping the market healer manor and the pick and whistle and then chef it's about working with brands that are based all over the world and again it that opens up a new market you know so we're not just targeting the local area you know we're trying to widen that and i think having associations with different brands helps to do that so what are some of the brands that you've associated with um so more recently um we played host to the bitch it's possible afternoon tea um so that was a relationship built up over email never met them never spoken to them on the phone um through email with penguin ventures um it just so happened that when i emailed them expecting absolutely no response whatsoever because they're a huge national well multinational brand um they were actually kind of like restructuring how they were marketing their brand so Beatrice potter pepper pig um ladybird books the snowman um they were kind of they were re-strategizing yeah their marketing plan and it was about trying to open up those very well-known brands on not on a smaller scale but across a more um diverse kind of base so tapping into the food sector you know they've got the books tapping into the merchandise sector um so it was it was purely really good timing with that one so um we hosted an afternoon tea which coincided with the launch of the peter rabbit film so perfect time in um and as a result of that they shared it across their social media channels we shared it across ours we didn't do any advertising whatsoever it was purely social media driven um and again doing that actually helped us really see what the return on investment was so we we knew exactly where we promoted it so where our um sales were coming from um and I think over the three months, we sold about £45,000 worth of afternoon teas. <laughs> that's a lot of cake. Yeah, that's a lot of cake, a lot of sandwiches. Yeah. Um, you know, but again, it's an experience. Food, you know, food, it's either a necessity or it's an experience. So it's delving into that. So then on the on the back of the success of that, um, Penguin re-approached us and said, look, it's the Snowman's 40th anniversary this year. Oh, wow. So they, they came back to you and said, yeah. how about this other idea? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, they, so, so yeah, this time they came to us, which was incredible. Um, and said, would you be interested in hosting the Snowman afternoon tea um, over the Christmas period? obviously we said yes um the only other place to be kind of doing something officially was harrods so as an as a kind of comparison you know a small hotel in grimsby to be one of the only businesses in the country to be hosting this afternoon tea was pretty special yeah yeah that's a big that's a big uh kind of endorsement for the hotel in the area yeah huge and i have tried it and it was amazing oh good Um, yeah the gingerbread trousers were great (laughs) i like them yeah um so do you do all the marketing yourself or do you have a team that does it for you? I'd like to say that I have a team that does it for me, but it's actually all myself at the moment. Um, so as as a business, um, it's something that we're looking to kind of to grow and expand. Um, I'm still learning. I find it hard to let go of things. And I know this is a conversation that we both have. Delegation is so hard. Yeah, delegation is very hard. Um, And as kind of part of my development within the business, um, a common factor that we both have, um, Mr. John McHale, um, 
business coach <laughs> business coach yeah. extraordinaire yeah. yeah he's um an incredible guy he's getting around a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's not say that so no he is but do you know what for 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 me um john is someone that is very much about refocusing how not what you do in the business but how you run the business and how you look at things and it's about being able to take a step back and rather than working in the business working on the business yeah and that i think a lot of when i say that to people they look at me with a bit of a they're like <laughs> screw their face up and they're yeah. like, what the hell are you talking about yeah. they're the same thing and it can be hard to um to figure out the difference it took me mm. a while but um if you so if you're doing all the marketing i mean you can you fully step back and do the on instead of the in i think again this is a, d- a development um yeah. we'll call it um i i can't see myself for the short term taking myself away from the marketing because it's kind of it's where i it's, it's what i specialize in i've done it for the brands um some global brands you know some smaller brands um and it's it's finding someone that can kind of look at it the same way um and that sounds that probably sounds a bit self-indulgent but I, I don't mean it like that it's just it's a it's my speciality um and it's kind of it's one of our unique selling points so and this is kind of one of the big reasons steve and i took over the manor steve's got is the usp with the food side of things and the Lincoln chef brand um and he's kind of incredible understanding of how the hospitality sector works and then i've got this background in styling and marketing and kind of creating these creative brands and companies um and really understanding who the consumer is and and how to reach them through different levels of marketing so it's weighing up where do do we find someone um i know it's something you've done within your business and done really well it's hard hard to find good people um because i yeah in the past i did the same Mm. kind of did all the marketing for laser red um kind of very very heavily focused on the brand yeah um still do but i've i had to take that step back because i just didn't have the time to do that and all the other things that in theory are as important or more important um hard to say but now i've got the team and you can train people to get to a certain level and say these are the expectations this is how it needs to be done yeah but just going through that process is so tedious and hard. You've got to, you've got to document things, train yeah. people. Yeah, it's, it's um, I like people that are fast learners because I am. And <laughs> yeah. if they're not a fast learner, it can really frustrate me. It makes it almost to the point where you're like, oh, I'll do it myself because it'd be quicker. And that I think is the one thing that um, having a business coach taught me don't do that because you yeah. shoot yourself in the foot for the short-term gain, but the long-term kind of, pain and you know you can't take a three-week holiday if you've nights. got to be doing all the marketing i mean i don't know oh. how you go away do you schedule the when you're away for a week do you schedule everything for that week we, or we do don't do we don't have a day off liam so you you're working this. while <laughs> abroad or yeah yeah that's, yeah and, and this is i think this is part of um kind of moving the business forward you know steve and i are so hands-on in the business whether it's running the marketing side of things running the kitchen running plates out to a customer um so you you can do this while you're away on holiday what does steve do uh he actually relaxes yeah because he can't control the kitchen from no he He doesn't like call in or anything like that does he and check on no steve's actually better better at switching off than i am um which 
when you get to know Steve and I, Steve's normally the one that's very addicted to work. I'm quite happy to sit at the end of the night with a glass of wine in hand. Um, Late on, so be it, but it's still, I, I can I can switch off better than he can. But no, going away, I am learning to to kind of let go a little bit. Um, we schedule everything in. Like I say, we try to work a month in advance at least. Um, so everything's scheduled in. Um, but then it's that real-time interaction with the customer. So I do find myself sat by the pool responding to people. Um, something that we have kind of integrated into the business is our reception team. They actually look after um facebook specifically so not the posts and the content but more so the messaging um so something you get a lot of people message you through oh my gosh yeah and something that we've noticed more recently is if you don't respond to people within a very quick amount of time how quick they've already messaged someone else within an hour yeah yeah they've already booked somewhere else because like I, I take it into the psychology of when you're shopping online, so you're on a website buying some clothes or buying a computer, whatever, whatever it is. Um, you go to you go to your PayPal account and it's not working. You don't go downstairs and get your your wallet. You don't buy it because you don't actually need it. And it's that kind of it's that short lived need and crave. So if we if we don't respond to customers quick enough we can end up losing that sale. So we've had to train reception to treat Facebook the same as they treat an email and a phone call. Okay, so was that hard for them to to learn that? Or were yeah, they there was a bit of frustration on my side of um, it pops up on my phone. I'm like, why is it not being responded to? Um, but it's been about, you know, it's been about training the team and actually getting them to understand why it's so important to respond to the message as quickly as they do an email Um, and I think once they understand why you're doing something there's no retaliation towards it you know because they actually they get it's not just me nagging at them saying can you respond to the Facebook messages do it yeah I mean we have an automated um, response that comes in and says that we'll get back you know as quickly as possible Um, it's something I need to put onto my emails which I still have not done is Um, what Put, put the automated response. Oh, the, th- yeah. the thing that Yours everyone had so a go. Good. Yeah, I took mine off. Oh, what? Yeah, everyone Why? kept moaning at me for Why? it. So, uh, well, people would just be like, oh, you know, just making little jokes. And I was like, uh, I could keep it. Yeah. I mean, I'm 50 50. I it's, like it. Some people like it, some people hate it. Um, I think I might have to put it back on, just purely yeah. the amount of emails. Yeah. I mean, I've been out all day today. I can guarantee I've probably got about 100 emails to go through. Oh. And most of them will be rubbish. Yeah. But you still have things. to go through them. You have to go through them. I'm very particular about reading them, make sure yeah. that if they need replying, I, I give the time to reply. Like, not just flippantly go back with, like, you know, a very short message. <coughs> if a client's asking me for something or someone needs something, then I try and make sure to, to do yeah. it as a minimum. Yeah. And then ideally go a bit bit beyond them, see if I can give them something else. But yeah is email is like um it's like a virus i really hate <laughs> yeah. it I hate it and love it it's it you know it works yeah but god it just drives me insane and that's the thing where i'm on holiday and men to be relaxed and switched off and i it's so easy just to take the phone out your pocket and check it check a yeah. couple of emails an hour later you've 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 been sat there getting some <laughs> responding yeah, yeah just doing yeah. doing nothing on your phone but respond to emails for an hour but I, I think that's part of running a business though isn't it like when it's your business you don't ever switch off it's very hard yeah yeah there's not many times you don't switch off no well, at least for me there's only a couple situations where you have to kind of 
fully concentrate on something mm. else. One is surfing. Oh you know, God, I'm, a, nice. I'm an amateur surfer. Nice. I can't say I'm any good at it, but Jesus, you're in the water, in the water with, you know, not very high waves, but um, <laughs> you've like got to, to concentrate, and that's yeah. the only thing I'd be able to find yeah. where you you do that. You can't think about. Well, you work. can't physically have your phone on you, so you can't be checking. There's that. It. That's probably yeah. one thing as well. Yeah, you, you. I mean, I know the iPhone's waterproof, but I'm not going to test no. it in the sea. No. So I try and stay away from it that way. But other than other than not being able to switch off, as a new kind of CEO, what what's another key thing that you find super difficult? Um, I could probably list quite a few. Okay, uh, well, a, couple, a yeah, few. Yeah, we can yeah. jump into a yeah, few. Yeah, we'll things. jump into yeah, we'll jump into some quick ones. Um, so this is something that I've kind of spoken about quite a lot with a few different people. Um, I've always worked for myself since I left school, pretty much, um, free, freelancing, doing different things. Um, and I've always had, I don't think I could ever work for anybody else. I think you'll probably say the same thing. Yep. Yeah. I couldn't imagine me working for someone else. No. I think I'd drive them insane. <laughs> yeah. They'd be like, just chill out. Yeah calm down don't do that much i i think i would be able to but it would be a very weird yeah situation because i haven't oh god how long i've been doing this for like 18 years i don't think i've worked really classed as work for anyone else no and i think when like when you've got that in you whether it's in you or whether it's something that you learn i i, I personally think it's something that's in you um and working for, so working for myself is something that i've always done since I left school um but the the hardest hardest transition um I've gone through is working for myself and by myself is very different to running my own business and employing people and it's something that I don't think anyone can prepare you for and I don't I don't necessarily mean it in a in a doom and gloom way at all um it's actually one of the best and most rewarding things um but it's the it's the pressure that comes with it like you are solely responsible for making sure 57 people's wages get paid this month and they've got kids and they've got mortgages and you know you can't think about that and it's really about learning to um kind of not step away from it personally because Steve and I are so um you know we have some incredible relationships with the people um that work within our business be it employees or suppliers but it's about being able to kind of switch between the personal brain and the business brain because ultimately if you don't have the business you don't have these relationships anyway um and it's trying kind of trying to understand that and have some humility with it and be okay with it and be content with it and yeah it's a big thing it's a big thing having that humility is important yeah Yeah. every everyone's human at the end of the day (laughs) whether you're the boss or the employee um i I definitely see a lot of businesses changing how they treat the staff the culture within the business it's something i'm very passionate about i i think culture is a big thing it's something we've worked hard on here um how how does it differ in hospitality is it difficult to create that is it i'm gonna go straight in with a yes yeah okay it's really difficult um purely because the hospitality sector is changing so much um and the ability to recruit is changing so much so something um you'll see across the whole country is the demand for fine food and great service is going up so you know more people are opting to come out for a nice dinner rather than go for a night out on the lash um you know it's that experience um that people want but the ability to recruit in the hospitality sector is really difficult because it's not an aspirational career it's not an aspirational job and it's tough 
yeah it's yeah, tough I've, you know I've, I've seen <laughs> yeah. Burnt and all these other yeah. films where there's, you know, there's a chef and yeah. it works the bone so I mean is that real it is and do you know what it's so social media is one of the biggest it's helped us build our business it's helped us grow the sales in our business but also it's one of the biggest reasons why recruitment in the hospitality sector specifically is becoming so difficult because we see these instagram perfect plates of food but actually the reality of producing that food times by let's say 500 so we do the business awards we cater for that so that's 500 three courses you know three course meals that you have to produce within an hour and a half two hours and there's all the preparation that goes into that it's really hard you know that for us and our new year's eve event as well it's a three-day event like setting up through to the clear you know the clearing down and you're on your feet for a lot of that time you know take the kitchen side of it it's hot it's cold you know there's hot oils and boiling water around and you've got to get the food out really quickly and people don't want to work in that industry you know the there's the Gordon Ramsay effect you know people are like well I'm not being spoken to like that mm. I'm not going to go and get shouted at you know and and it's not um it's not an aspirational um career for a lot of people yeah I suppose go, watching Gordon Ramsay yeah. you would think oh god yeah. if that's what being a chef's like maybe not <laughs> No. I definitely couldn't do it. I'm a terrible, well, I'm a pretty poor cook. Simplistic meals I can do. Nice. But some of the stuff that Steve does, just, well, I'm quite impatient. So I'm like, just want to eat good food, I making it, it for an hour yeah. and eating it in 20 minutes. Seems like a real, it's that sunk cost fallacy thing again. It's like I've invested an hour, now I don't want to eat it. Exactly. Um, so with, with the recruitment side, <laughs> yeah. how do you get over it then? Um... I can't say that we're quite getting over it. Um, we're kind of just on the cusp of really trying to understand a new way of recruiting. So something that Steve in particular is very passionate about is working with schools and colleges. Um, so kind of like pre-16, um, we work very closely with a couple of schools um, in Grimsby. Um, and we give them a very honest view of what it's like to work in the hospitality sector, but also kind of show them the end product so looking at it from a customer's perspective and actually what a great experience it can be and and give them that aspirational aspiration to come and work in the industry um it's very much about bridging that gap between education and industry um and it's not do you know what this is something that's not just relevant to the hospitality sector it's true in the fashion world i'm sure it's true in the digital world you know kids now they want to be youtube stars they want to be Instagram influencers. You know, there isn't that drive to actually work and serve plates of food, talk to people. You know, God forbid we have to speak to someone and can't interact through our iPhone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I suppose if we could uh, do customer service and take orders yeah. through uh, through social media, then maybe they'd be... Maybe that's the future. Yeah, maybe you could try all that. Ooh. Order by posting iPhone. a selfie and what you need oh, and then someone at the other... I don't know. No, that's probably no, no, not going to no. work. No, let's not go there. Probably be much no, slower. No, um, but it's no, it's it's hard, and recruitment is hard. And do you know what expectations um, of employ- employees is hard? Um, and I think flipping back onto the difficulties of being a CEO, it's that you've got to be their best friend. You've got to be their worst enemy. You've got to be their mum. You know, you've got to be their trainer. You've got to be all of these different things to all of these people. And it's really just trying to balance out 
how you deal with different scenarios um, and how you kind of find a level with yourself. So you've got 57 staff to cope 57 with. 57 staff, yes. That's a lot. Yeah. So do you... <laughs> 57 different personalities, different... Different problems, yeah. different backgrounds. So how the hell do you cope with that? Um, am I allowed a... to say wine? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, I'm joking. Um, it's, it's really hard. And I think, again, this is something that people don't really talk about a lot. It is really hard. And do you know what? Having conversations with people like yourself... Um, you know, there's a lot of other, well, not a lot, but quite a few other business people in the local area and actually just sitting down and, you know, we do it, we'll have a coffee and have a chat and, you know, bounce ideas and bounce problems off each other. And sometimes just having that conversation about what a difficult day you've had and someone else saying, actually, yeah, do you know what? I've had a pretty difficult day as well. It makes it quite real because I think otherwise it can be quite lonely. Yeah, I've I've heard that and I never really thought about it too much but yeah the more you kind of look you look at the the different ways in which people connect and it's all very virtual which yes doesn't always help everyone's quite fake and don't really <laughs> tell other people the the crap and the difficult yeah. problems that they have um and being a ceo or the owner of a business or even um the term solo entrepreneur um it can be hard to bounce ideas off people yes having a coach helps yes um another plug for john McHale, but that, he is really <laughs> really good at in. listening yeah and and almost understanding pretty much everything you're saying yeah. and then saying well how about this and making you question yourself as well i think that's the biggest yeah. you know one of the biggest things for me it's actually saying do you know why have i made this decision why have i reacted like this and being okay with it because at the end of the day you're the one that's running a business for a reason you know and you know you, you and I both know we've both got that drive to succeed and like success for everybody is so different it's not necessarily a monetary figure it's not necessarily mm. three-week holidays around the world <laughs> no no but it is everybody's everybody's success um idea is something that's so, so different so what's success in your mind um do you know what I honestly don't know and this is a conversation Steve and I have quite regularly um yeah, we'd all like a nice house, but for us, it's not necessarily a big house. It's it's a home, you know. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily materialistic. I think because of my styling background, and I was, again, very, very lucky to receive a lot of incredible gifts and handbags and jewellery. You know, I've had all of that, and actually, it doesn't necessarily make you happy. Um, so success for me right now is actually getting to the end of the day and being like, do you know what? I've made someone happy today, whether it's a customer or I've been there for a staff member that's struggling. I've got someone at the moment and bless her, she is literally having a nervous breakdown every day because she doesn't know whether to go back to college or stick with an apprenticeship. And actually just having that conversation and saying, do you know what, what 30 year old knows what they want to do for the rest of their life? So how is an 18 year old supposed to know? You know, and actually that kind of feel good factor to know that you've helped someone, that's success. <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree. The it's hard to define success, and everyone does yeah. it differently. And a lot of people look at Richard Branson, all these big, you know, um, entrepreneurs, and they've they've done all these incredible things. I think that's great, definitely something to aim for. Yeah. But it's <clears throat> I couldn't imagine doing what Branson's done and have an no. island and all that stuff. It'd be cool, but I've got I've got, an, I've got an island 
planet. That would be nice. It's, t- it's tiny, but we've got one. <laughs> yeah, that would. I mean, he's got two now. Oh my god, he's I know. got two. But um... do, do you know what I think as well? Success. It's about not having to have any worries. Yeah, that's a good way to put yeah. it. Yeah. Um, because worry is never nice. No. no, anxiety and worry are definitely things that I think um, a lot of people have. Sometimes legitimate, sometimes over very small things. But yes. for business owners, there's a lot of stuff to worry about. There is, and I think having to uh, finding a way to handle that because I think anxiety in a way is important because it makes you real and it makes you understand the situations and it makes you more approachable with your team um but actually being able to take a step away from a situation and look at look at it logistically um and again strategically helps you drive it forward so you're not kind of hanging yourself up on the tiny things um for me you know for me I'm really lucky that I get to do something I love with someone that I love um, and vice versa for Steve. So when we're both working a 16-hour day, you know, there's no one at the end of a phone nagging, well, what time are you finishing? <laughs> what time are you getting home? You know, we've got that understanding. So as a pressure on a personal and business level, that's kind of removed. And I know I've always got someone at the end of the day to sit and talk to, whether it's a positive or it's a questionable you know kind of scenario that we've been through in the day it's nice to have that person to bounce off and I know you and Kirsty are the same like you you've got that understanding of the business and each other and I think that helps yeah working with your partner is um <laughs> you've got to say the right thing fun, can be fun definitely can work <laughs> it can um, be the best it, took, it was a lo- it was a learning curve for us yeah um how long have you guys worked together for now probably oh god it feels like forever um <laughs> probably three or four years okay so it's Kirsty came in as kind of a part-time helping me out yeah she wasn't happy where she was um and then it just kind of snowballed into she was really good whatever I gave her she's very very meticulous so she was good at the admin the finance side and then um I mean we've been together a long time before yeah, so it wasn't like a new ages. relationship but, yeah, I but think working together and being together it is very different it's very it different ha- yeah and it took a lot yeah. of learning about almost compartmentalizing because otherwise you would just be completely yeah. and it must be harder <laughs> for you and steve but um me and kirsty could kind of switch off at certain points yeah um she's very good at that i i really struggle so it's not too bad um, i think it's a woman thing do you know what i think it's like a natural instinct so when you're at home like we get to the point and it's and this is like a regular weekday occurrence and it's one o'clock and I'm literally like Steve like let's just cut the conversation let's put some crime documentaries or dramas on that's our escapism Netflix you know in bed literally just let's watch something that can just completely switch your mind off and you have to because if you don't you become so obsessive and hooked on the small parts you know that you that you forget why you're doing it and what you're doing you so if you have a super like stressful day, yeah, things have gone a bit tits up. Pretty much need, every day. You need mm-hmm. to kind of like just <coughs> sort your head, your mental yeah. state out. How do you do that? Um, wine and Netflix. Wine and Netflix is a good one. Yeah, completely. Or um, a dirty takeaway. Everyone laughs at us because obviously Steve's a chef. He never cooks for me. It does seem ever. strange. Yeah, it seems yeah. like I think everyone would imagine you to go home and have like a three course dining experience <laughs> oh, and expert like yeah. expertly cooked food but 
No. You don't? No. Okay. He doesn't cook for me. I cook for him sometimes. Um, but the re- again, the reality of running the business that we're running means we often don't get to eat until ele- gone 11 o'clock at night. So um, just eat, probably more use than Instagram. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of our most used apps. Um, yeah, switching off, having a pizza and a glass of wine, um, it's definitely something. Um, but for me personally, just taking a moment to myself. Um, and do you know what? I'm not, I've not kind of dedicated any time to like mindfulness or anything. Um, you know, I haven't haven't got like a uh, automatic switch off um, that I can use, but just having a moment to myself. Um, and I found, do you know what? As you get older, it's really important to find some contentment with yourself, like being okay with who you are, being okay with who you are when you're on your own. Um, you know, and you've not, you've kind of not got anyone to draw your attention away from that and kind of regrounding yourself a little bit. And do you know what? I probably do it. 10 times a day like I have to do it that regularly because otherwise you can end up getting so consumed in everybody else's opinion or you know worrying about what everybody else is thinking about you and and this is something that I've had to learn very quickly is to not become so hooked on what everybody else thinks and actually what I think and being okay with that yeah it's difficult yeah yeah I think um for me it was really hard not it's easy to get caught up on what other people may think of a decision or something you've done. Yeah. Um, that's sometimes. How did you find, like, how did it, because this is something I'm still learning. Like, I, I say I'm not a worrier, but then when it comes to certain situations, I end up overthinking, oh God, what are they going to think of me? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's hard. John, again. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just got to think, fuck it. Like, mm-hmm. I either do it or I don't. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Pros and cons list. I mean, it sounds pretty basic, but I've done that a few times for some like key decisions where you're like, "Mm, I could go this way or I could go that way. Now, what are the pros for this way? What are the pros for that way? Cons. And you kind of talk it out. Having a sounding board is good. Yeah. Um, Definitely recommend speaking to someone and ideally someone who's, who can relate. Like Mm. it's sometimes not um, useful to speak to someone who isn't in business, who hasn't run a business, who really doesn't have any of the same problems and just, you know, so a wife or a husband, for example, yeah. who isn't in the business, doesn't really have any um, say or impact or or deep knowledge. They can be sometimes the worst people to, to ask. Yeah, it's hard because it's, it, do you know what? It's not that you don't value an no, opinion. You, you value their opinions, just they don't, it's they like don't asking, understand. you know, a, someone who's not a dentist about, you know a a tooth that's wobbly they they don't know they can give what they think is logical but it's got no real ground in any any kind of experience that they've had so i think definitely looking for someone who has business experience which is why you know one of the reasons why i do this i want to do this because shares ideas with other people um but it is i think you've got a unique scenario because you and steve are in it so much yeah you are going to be able to make decisions together and yes. almost have like, not a vote, but like if someone's, if you're seeing something from one perspective because yeah. you're just kind of blinded by, I don't know, the desire to rebrand the business or yes. whatever. And Steve might be like, well, I'm looking at the finances and that might not be the right decision. That's a unique perspective. Yeah. So I don't have really a, that at the minute. Um, I know other business owners, they kind of are on their own as well. Yeah. 
and it's this is this is this loneliness that comes in and yeah. i think for steve and i um so many of our friends are like oh my god how like i couldn't think of anything worse than working with my partner um you know and i've had that oh people they don't understand whereas actually do you know what for steve and i we couldn't imagine not working together and it sounds really sad and it's you know it's not meant like that but we genuinely couldn't because we've found a level between ourselves so we know whose role is what you know there's there's not a massive crossover we're not stepping on each other's toes and actually we respect each other's decisions um sometimes we do have to argue it out um and (laughs) we try and do that in a dark room away from everybody else sometimes we do because there's a difference of of opinion um but again it's that respecting each other enough to know that okay i know i'm probably going to emotionally react to something so i'm not always going to come up with the best decision because i'm looking at it from an emotional perspective steve is a chef he's a bit more hot-headed um so sometimes he makes um irrational decisions very quickly so it's just about finding that balance between the two so do you do you find you complement each other in your different approaches or skill sets yeah definitely yeah i mean we both come from completely different backgrounds again we both have completely different roles in the business and i think for us it's what makes us quite unique um you know we've got a very unique skill set between the two of us and actually we we both not big each other up that's not the right word but we both kind of help each other grow you know there's no malice in anything um self-preservation gonna use this word um is do you know what it's no it's something that we're speaking about in the business a lot at the moment and especially with the team often people make decisions because it benefits them personally rather than say the business collectively whereas having a partnership you know steve and i both on that same level um we've both got the same end goal there's no malice in anything we're both driving for the same the same thing although we don't know what that is you know it it is and it's that it's that daily satisfaction um it's that daily reward and i think having that really helps kind of have a a balance so what so if you had to learn one thing or improve on one area of your own skill set what would that be there's 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 a lot because i am i am still growing and learning um but i think it's for me at the moment it's the managerial side of things so it's not necessarily being a ceo or a director of a company it's it's the managing people managing expectations and it's ironic because i do that on a daily basis with marketing you know we we um create a perception but that perception has to be delivered in the product so if we put a picture of food out that picture of food has to look how it looks on instagram in that perfect scenario um whereas managing expectations with the team again everybody has um a different purpose in life you know whether it's because they're they're working because they need to go home and feed their family or whether they're working because they want to progress in their career it's really about managing their expectations and making sure that we create a realistic backdrop for them that benefits them but also benefits the business and helps each other grow yeah it's i mean i think it's a really a lot of entrepreneurs i've spoke to they know they're not great at everything yeah figuring out what that is and either either trying to improve yeah. uh, which can be hard old dogs new tricks type thing do you know what though 
and and I can't remember where I read it recently. It was in an article. It was in an interview of someone. Um, but they were talking about how actually they've always been a good all rounder. And I was like, Do you know what? That's me. I've yeah. never like excelled in anything. Like I was I was that weird person that was good at art and good at maths, whereas most people are good at at one and they were saying that actually a lot of entrepreneurs and business leaders are good all-rounders and then you employ the people that are good at specific areas to help the business grow um and i was like okay actually that do you know what? i can really resonate with that it yeah, really it makes, makes sense, sense. Yeah. yeah i think a l- yeah you're right a lot of entrepreneurs you look at they're they're not like a specialist in one thing no and if they are they're usually you know they're usually like a small business or a niche business yeah where they do their thing, uh, I don't know, like a dressmaker. Yeah. Um, but they can't really ever let go of the reins. <laughs> they can't really grow the business because they can't yeah. employ people or train them. Um, yeah, I'd say I've, I've, I kind of resonate with that. It yeah. makes sense. Um, okay, so another question for you. So <laughs> you, you may have already answered this, but business plan is something that gets thrown around a lot. I get asked, you know, what's the business plan? Or oh, should really? I have a business plan? Or how do I do a business yeah. plan? Um I kind of have one. It's very loose. It's not like I couldn't give, you know, a seven-page PDF document saying, right, these are all the things and this is exactly the roadmap. Yeah. Do you have that? Does Healy Manor have something where you've sat down with Steve and gone, right, this is where we want to get to and then this is how we're going to do it? Or is it quite free and it adapts based on different things? Um, So we do have a business plan. Um, It's probably, it's, it's ridiculously long it's stupidly long um and it dial it kind of delves into each segment of the business um and then we work with a five-year um pnl forecast as well um which is is quite an in-depth spreadsheet i'm a bit geeky so i, I love really a love a spreadsheet i love sort out all these formulas um but i think as you grow with any business and evolve that business plan now I only wrote it I think nine months ago so we we had to write a business plan when we were setting up the business um to go to the bank and that's something that they required and we get asked for the business plan on a regular basis but it's evolved so much and I think kind of Steve and my mindset and ethos with the business is yes okay we know what we want to do we know what we need to do um over the next five and even ten years um but things change you know consumer demands change we could say in seven years time we're gonna open up a spa but Lacey Manor down the road might open up a spa in two years time so that becomes so irrelevant to the business plan um so we we know where we want to be um you know Steve's not going to be able to be in the kitchen in 12 years time because he'll be older um (laughs) no but he won't so the reality is steve can't keep working seven days in the kitchen 12 to 16 hours a day so we have to have a plan to be able to kind of move him out in that and and grow the business in other ways and have the team in place but um it's i think having a business plan is about being able to adapt and grow and i'm sure you've seen it with your business one one door opens so does another and different opportunities come on board and and the business very quickly evolves and I think actually it's probably more important to have an adaptive mindset so we're changing um we've well we've changed kind of our target 
market so to speak um especially in the wedding sector um and we said you know what let's take a calculated punt on this we think it can work however if it doesn't work we can change it because we're the leaders of our own business so it doesn't it's not written in black and white yeah i think that's important yeah there's too many there's too many businesses or at least the way I view business was if you have a business plan, that means that's it. That's you stick to that, don't change it. It doesn't work. Five, ten years, whatever no. it might be, and you're like, right, that's what we do. Yeah. And I found I'll I'll change it. Well, not the core <laughs> thing, but you know, yeah. there'll be opportunities where yes. they'll just crop up and you're like, Oh, I could I could do that. And the the other side of the coin though is shiny object syndrome. And I I, oh, I find yeah. I have to battle against that. So there's you're like a magpie well it's yeah it's kind of like magpie. you start one thing yeah you're not finished with it you're halfway through or whatever and and then something else comes up so i had i had within the space of um a couple of weeks three people come to me with business opportunities and i was like i'm so tempted to do everything and then you kind of work out well there's not enough time yeah. to do all that and all the stuff that i've already got planned so saying no and this is something that i have um i read about and, and watch youtube videos on about saying no and i was like oh that that would be dead easy like why are they why is this a problem for people yeah but actually when you when you've got an opportunity and you're like that could work i like the idea of it i really (laughs) want to do it but just how will it affect what else i'm doing that's the thing why i can say no then if i if i step back and say if i do that that'd be great but how would this be affected yeah um that for me was a struggle when it came up yeah it is hard it's really hard and um i've been there kind of pre-healing manner so i was lucky that i learned learned the hard way when i didn't have as many responsibilities um and i was a yes person you know every opportunity but i just found myself do you know what i found myself resenting the situation that i was in because i wasn't it wasn't fulfilling me and it wasn't making me happy and actually you can get to a point where you take too much on so it it is about stripping that back and it's something that kind of steve and i have done very consciously with the manner so for example um we've hosted a new year's eve party at grimsby auditorium for four years very successful um normally sells out within the first month of the year um for around 400 people and the buzz that you get at the end of the night when you're like oh my god we've made so many people's new year's eves beyond what they expected but the reality of doing that is it's really bloody hard and it's the busiest time of the year at the hotel you know everyone's knackered after the christmas party nights and the 1500 afternoon teas that we've served and 3,000 turkey dinners that we've cooked, you know. 3,000? <laughs> well, that's wow. a, I, I, I could be more. It could be more. Wow. But it's it's a lot. And actually taking a step back and saying, what what does this event bring to us? Not only from a business perspective, but a personal perspective. And actually, it's something that we, we lost a lot of sleep over because it takes so much time and effort to put it together and create it. And then there's the pressure of, 400 people's expectations because you can't mess up New Year's Eve for people. Just like a wedding, you will never be forgiven. Um, so taking that step back and saying, do you know what? Let's just focus on what we've got in front of us at the manor. Let's do something small. Let's do it well. Actually, it's equally as rewarding at the end of the night. Um, and 
it's not do you know what? it's not even the financial side of things it's just it's the sanity that you have to keep within yourself and I think learning to say no helps you keep that sanity because you know you're just doing you're ma- you're making mostly the right decisions is there any decisions that you've made where you've like that was not the right thing I should have done something else um I want to say yes but in the same breath no because I'm a I'm I like to think that I'm a realist so I'm in the position now because of decisions that I've made previously and I've worked hard for and I've had a passion for and I don't necessarily think that I've always made the right decision but it helps you grow as a person and it helps you grow as a business owner and a CEO and an employee an employer you know all of those decisions guide you (laughs) to the path that we're at right now and I think if you make mistakes and this is something that we kind of breed into the team as well do you know what it is okay to make a mistake um as long as you learn from it and it doesn't have a huge damaging effect it's okay it's when you don't learn from it and don't understand kind of the different decisions you could have made around that choice that it becomes a problem um and yeah like I say I mean it's something that we're trying to breed into the team as as well as us as business owners um steve's very much he's like you he's quite impatient he wants it to be done he he wants it to be done now and he wants it to be done his way and a big part of his development is actually learning to let go and let other people make the decisions sometimes you'll know you have to step in because the business needs to be run um and no one quite thinks like you do or you know they don't have the same drive as you do or the same vision for the business as you do um but it's it's letting people run with run run with ideas um learn from the mistakes and develop yeah it's important i think um well let let, i'll ask you this question so in the last 12 months what have you learned and developed on is there anything that stands out um I'm going to say self-contentment. Okay, um, explain. Explain. So this is something that actually working with a business coach has really helped help me with. Um, learning to accept who you are as a person, why you're in the position that you're in. Um, it's very easy, again, to be swept under the rug by other people's opinions on you, be it good or bad um or just okay um and kind of get lost in yourself and forget why you're doing what you're doing um and and again why you're in the position that you're in and I think do you know I've I'm still learning every single day and I think any business owner will continue learning for the rest of their lives you know it's not you're never finished you're never done you know you're never fully equipped with all of the information in the world because things are evolving and changing so quickly because of the digital world we're living in um and accessing other people's lives and information about their businesses the other side of the world is at the click of a button um so I think having that self-contentment within yourself and knowing where you've come from and knowing what you've done is is so important because actually it again it grounds you um and it helps you have some security in the decisions that you make yeah, I, I definitely think that um, self-development yeah. is, is a must, really, for any business owner. Um, and I, as you know, I do like to read my books. <laughs> yes. Don't read as many now that I have a baby. 
Aww. But um, I have a long list of books that yeah. I bought, bought, purchased, listened to podcasts, people recommend them. I'm like, right, I'll buy that. I'll, I'll read it eventually. Yeah. Um, is there any books that you've read recently or, or any standout books that you'd recommend to people? Um, do you know, I am a rubbish reader. <laughs> and this is, I know, you're shaking your head that at me right bad. now. You're shaking your head at me right now. So no, how many it's... books have you read in the last year? At least one, right? Oh, yes. Yes. Triggers. 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 Oh, um, it was Russian Goldsmith. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I read it on holiday, um, by the pool, obviously. I I struggle, and again, this is self development. Um, I struggle to switch off from work, and the time that I switch off from work is when I'm absolutely knackered, and I need to sleep because I know I've got to be up in another eight hours, and I need my eight hours sleep. Reading the book will put you to sleep. So does Netflix. No, do you, no. Do you know what I've I've what I actually do is when I'm getting ready in the morning, um, YouTube, TED Talks. Yeah, TED yeah, Talks are good. Yeah, yeah. great. Um, you know, 10, 15 minute videos. Um, not. Do you know what you watch some of them and you think, okay, they're not really for me. I'm not really feeling inspired by this. But some of them and some of the speakers, you know, you actually start to delve into their stories and and their kind of journey as directors and CEOs and you can then start to relate so i think do you know what it, it's kind of similar to reading a book but it's that snapshot i get bored quickly we live in an instagram story world where everything's 30 seconds long um you know but no but it's absolute. do you know what knowledge is power and for me talking to like-minded business owners and business people from sectors so far and wide actually you can learn so much more from that as well um one book which I, I spoke about earlier that I actually I read about seven years ago is the the art of thinking clearly um ironically there like there's probably about 50 different fallacies and theories in there so again 10 minute reads um it's you nice know quick yeah quick but again some, some of them are relevant and some of them aren't but it's about breaking down the psychology of decisions and choices and, and understanding why we make decisions and how as human beings we get hooked on certain things so like betting for example you know actually what are the chances of winning something but then what's the psych- psychological drive that keeps us betting on the same thing over and over again when we're probably not going to win the lottery but that two pound ticket might change our lives so instead of you know kind of living in the moment and being okay with your life we're wishing for something that doesn't exist yeah i see a lot of that on social yeah. media it's, it's disappointing um but i get it because i think it's easy to get hooked into mm. that um okay so maybe maybe a, a takeaway is that charlotte needs to read more books yeah i'll, I'll give you like a handful when you leave oh i'd appreciate um, that <laughs> so um any inspiration or role models that you've got that spur you on? I mean, you said you watched the YouTube videos and the, the TED Talks. And I, I actually found doing that for a couple, like mornings. <clears throat> if I do it in the morning, if you're not quite feeling as energized as yes. you normally would be, putting one of those on can work. Gary V, he's a big one. I mean, he's like, he's on speed or something. He's just constantly oh upbeat. You put his video on, yeah. does kind of get pumped up and ready for the day. But... Is there anyone that you specifically, like your go-to, no one? No, do you no know what? Like, I, I think, again, this is my, um, I'm not going to say scatty brain, fluff, like fluffy brain. I'm more topic inspired. 
rather okay. than people inspire if that makes sense so um if there's a specific topic so um oh, there was there was um there was a book that i started to read and then actually ended up watching youtube videos instead and it was about um being comfortable with the uncomfortable so at that moment in time that was so relevant for me because I was new to being an employer um, and having these difficult conversations with people that was relevant to me and so were other people's you know YouTube videos talking about that topic and for me it was a relatable topic Um, again if I'm finding that I'm having a blip with marketing and social media and you know hitting my head against that invisible brick wall of god what do we do next we've done it all what do we do next you know just kind of going back um you know to some books or um you know to youtube and, and trying to find that inspiration again um you know for me people that are inspiring are actually probably people that are a bit closer to home it's you know it's there's a lot of people around me that they work hard and they're passionate about what they do and they're passionate about the local area as well as you know the bigger things in life actually that to me hits home a little bit more so I'm not gonna name you know any big names specifically or anything but but yeah roundabout way (laughs) Well, that's good. I mean, um, thank you very much for doing this. No, thank you for inviting uh, me. Time. I know you've got to shoot off. You've got an appointment to get to. Um, so we will call it a wrap. Perfect. Thank well, you very thank much. Thank you. No, thank you for having me.